God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. God bless and welcome to another edition of Family Discussion. My name is Marcos Ortega, and as always, I am with the... Oh, no. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Oh. That's because you've been traveling out of the country. I have been. My brain is not as sharp. (laughs) I am with Lisa Spencer, and now I have to come up with two different words for next time just to make up for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Lisa, I've been traveling. I am a little fried. Um, I had the blessing and the privilege of being in um, Israel for the last 10 days. Just got back yesterday, uh, or Sunday. Um, and so we're recording this on Monday, and you're hearing it on Tuesday, everyone. So it's been a fast turnaround for this episode. But we want to get into, I think, an important topic for right now, because everybody's thinking about it. We are going to talk about the coronavirus, um, or COVID-19. And Lisa, you're the one who brought up that we should do this. So why don't you talk a little bit about why we're going to discuss coronavirus for an episode? Okay. And I want to qualify this by saying, if you're looking to us to be like public health experts or medical experts, we are not that. We're not even going to try to... You know, pretend to be that, although I'm sure between the both of us, we've been doing a lot of reading, but we'll leave the the expert advice to the experts and people who actually know what they're talking about. Um, but I do want to encourage our listeners to, because look, right now everybody is, you know, it's, it's tense. Um, there's a lot of unknowns, especially in terms of timing. We're looking at what has gone on in China. We... Uh, particularly concerned, I think, with what's going on in Italy. And it's easy to kind of make a lot of wild hair speculations. And I would just encourage our listeners to listen to people who know what they are talking about. You know, if they have the letters MD after their name, um, or they have, you know, they are a public health um, expert, let's listen to those people. Um, and then hold everything else loosely. And of course, we want to listen to our government officials. I mean, this is a time to really be compliant with what the CDC is recommending and what are what is coming from our government officials, whether it be local, state, or national. Um, but for me, and I know I've mentioned this on a previous episode, I have a daughter, 31. She and her husband live in China in uh, Suzhou, which is maybe about 100 miles outside of Shanghai. So when this first started happening over there, um, at the maybe at the end of December, and so I started really paying attention to what, what was going on. 
Um, and then it looked, then when we started seeing it spread to other countries, and that's when I had read an article or two from, again, from people who in the know, who know what they're talking about, say, get ready because it's coming to the U.S. Like, okay, you know, that would be why, let's stay on alert, you know, let's not panic. Um, it, it, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. We saw the numbers and, you know, it went to South Korea, to Iran. Italy, Italy got really bad. It went to other places in the world and then sure enough landed on our shores. But so as I am watching what is going on here, um, I'm also looking at the response to it. And that's where I began to be a little troubled because at the same time I'm seeing that there are there's a likelihood of an outbreak here and cases are popping up. Also, what was popping up was a lot of, uh, for lack of a better word, it was partisanship. It was, on one hand, you had those on the right, I'm going to start with them, who were, you know, basically poo-pooing it. This is you know, a product of liberal media. They're just trying to make Trump look bad. Um, and folks who are so beholden to a, you know, to a partisan mindset, they couldn't fathom that this may actually be a legitimate concern that's going on here. You know, and then on the flip side, you have those who are so opposed to the president. They say that anything that he talked about was, you know, it was just foolishness. It was nonsense. And it's like, okay, so, but he's still the executive leader of our country. So, you know, he, I'll, I'll admit, he didn't inspire a lot of confidence in me. But, you know, at the same time, I'm also looking at what's going on in the, you know, the states. There are a number of governors who are stepping up to the plate, local localities that are making decisions. There's guidance issued by the CDC. Um, so it's, you know, there are a lot of people who have their eye on the ball, who are looking at what we need to do. And, and at the ultimate, the end of the day, my hope and my confidence is in the Lord who is sovereign over all of this. Um, and so that's ultimately where my hope is. But at the same time, I'm looking at, you know, again, it's the reaction of what's going on and how quickly it went into this partisan mode. And I thought, this is not the time for that. If there is an outbreak of a virus, like we need to be vil vil <sighs> vigilant you know, about what's going on. And if there are, are directives that are coming down um, saying, okay, this is what we need to do. Well, then let's do that. Um, and I'm not even going to get into the shopping situation because that has just totally ran up my backside, the hoarding, the panicking. This didn't happen in China, by the way. You know, I was talking to my daughter the other day when everything started closing down there, it, no, nobody was running out to the to the stores, you know, fighting over toilet paper, emptying shelves. The stores remained open, even in Italy, where it's you know the case the the number of cases every day. It's you know it's really bad. Even there, the stores are open. It's controlled. I mean, you can't go whenever you want to. Um, but at the same time, 
it really made me a little disheartened for how much maybe value we've put on consumerism. Um, so anyway, so that's, you know, so that's why I thought, let yeah, let's talk about this. Um, you know, not as experts, but as concerned citizens and particularly as people of God who we want to be responsible. We want to have a, a response that is in accord with scripture that is in keeping with who we are. Um, as citizens of another kingdom, but responsible citizens of this kingdom, um, of, you know, this earthly kingdom, um, and, and just really represent Christ well. You know, it's, it's been strange coming back to the United States and seeing what the reaction has been. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little um, caught short on some of this conversation just because I wasn't here. Um, you know, I don't know what it's been like for the last 10 days here in the States. Although, here's here's what we saw while we were in Israel. Um, we were busy doing what we were doing, right? We're, we're visiting sites. We have a tour guide. We have a very full itinerary. We're making the most of what we're doing. Um, unfortunately, right before we got there, they had closed the West Bank, so we weren't able to get to places like, what, Bethlehem or Jericho, but the rest of Israel were able, we had access to, we were able to do everything we want to do, and and we were having a great time, and we get back to text messages and emails from people in the United States who were really concerned and panicked, and we were kind of, we were fine. In fact, we were a little bit like, you know what, it, it's actually, we're going to be okay. A lot of them were scared that we weren't going to be able to get back. Um, and and there was a moment, and this gets back to some of the political stuff, there was a moment last week on Wednesday night, President Trump gave an, an address to the country in which he announced that they were going to be um, basically shutting the borders to foreign nationals in from Europe. And then later on, they gave a full list of what those countries were. Problem was, he didn't make it very clear in the speech that American citizens were still going to be able to get home. And the 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 um, restriction went into effect on Friday. We weren't scheduled to come back to the United States till Sunday. So there was a mini freakout. Now, now keep in mind, Israel is like, you know, six to nine hours ahead of the United States, depending on what time zone you live on, in here in the U.S., so a lot of these announcements happen while we're sleeping. <laughs> and so we wake up, oh. we wake up <laughs> to all these uh, headlines saying, oh, you know, they're they're not allowing people back into the country, da, da, da. And there was a moment of freak out for a lot of us thinking, oh, no, you know, are we going to have to cut our trip short? Are we going to be allowed back in? What's it going to look like when we get back in? Um, on our way, we're getting a bunch of info now, you know, fast forward, um, we are. We know we're going to get to come back. Um, we flew out of Israel into Istanbul, Turkey, and from Istanbul to the United States. Neither Turkey or Israel are a part of the are, are on that list of countries. Um, but even while we're coming back, people are getting emails and text messages about the long lines. You know, they're getting with the. We all knew how long it took to get through O'Hare. It was six plus hours for some folks. Um, my wife is um, she was not on the trip with me. And um, she received a couple messages from folks saying, hey, you know, I just want to let you know in New York, um, they're, they're having like seven plus hour waits to get through customs and all this kind of stuff. Um, 
So we're all kind of bracing ourselves. We land at JFK. Lisa, we got through security in about 20 minutes, maybe half an hour. And we got through customs in about 15 minutes. Okay. I mean, it was, we were braced. We were braced. It's like, it, <laughs> it's like we were ready for a big snowstorm and we got a flurry. You know, it was incredible. And, and it really hit home the panic reflex of everybody in, in, in both a political and a yeah. social, um, in, in both political and social spheres. People are freaking out, but the reality on the ground isn't as dire. Um, and, and it's, it's one of those things that I think is captured the imagination. And so that's why I think some people are saying, Hey, it's hysteria. It's media driven. It's not real. It's because they have an experience like I had, and it makes them then discount everything else. Here's the thing, just because yeah. I got through security that quick, just because we, my team got through customs that quick, doesn't mean it wasn't terrible in Chicago. Right. Or DFW, or DFW. because I saw a picture of DFW and indicating it was both, it was taking like yeah. three hours. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's coming to Dallas-Fort Worth. You're getting um, a lot of connecting flights into Dallas as well, you know, people flying in and then mm -hmm. getting themselves... bias in some folks I experience it to be bad therefore it's not bad. um i think that we have some folks in some parts of the country who are like you know what it's not bad why is everybody else freaking out but you know it, it's so i think there's a whole lot of different factors playing into this unfortunately partisan politics is a part of it an article was put out on vox yesterday um, about a new poll shows a startling partisan divide on the dangers of the coronavirus. And this was an NBC News Wall Street Journal poll um, found that 68% of Democrats are worried that someone in their family could catch the virus, while just 40% of Republicans share that concern. Um, nearly 80% of Democrats believe the worst is yet to come, but just 40% of Republicans believe that. Um, and so it's interesting that concern over this virus is a partisan issue all of a sudden. Um, and I think there's, you know, I, I think we're so used to things being partisan that something like this just automatically falls into a partisan paradigm. And for me, that's the concern. You know, we have a public health crisis. We have a public health situation going on. And, the, and, and we gauge that based on who are in favor of politically. And, and, you know, to me, that's, that's kind of sad because I wonder like based on those poll numbers, if this had happened under the Obama administration, if we may not have seen a flip of those numbers, but the, the, the fact is that there are still 170, 100,000 cases worldwide. There are last I checked, uh, I think there were what thirty, about thirty five hundred in this country. I don't um, know the numbers. Yeah, it's oh, it's well into the it's well into the three thousand. Because I've been tracking this, these numbers for the past couple of days, just to see you know the 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 how how quickly they are escalating. Um, and of course, I know that that is uh, you know contingent upon testing. So we know we don't have all of the 
the test kits. The country doesn't have all of the test kits. It should. That last I read, by next week, I couldn't get it any quicker than that. But by next week, we expect a significant increase. And and this and again, yeah, is there is there an opportunity to criticize? Sure. But I think that our number one concern should be for the health of people, and especially for those who are most vulnerable. Um, and so I'm, you know, some of the reactions I'm seeing, you know, aside from the partisanship, and, and I think maybe this is just alongside of, you know, the American spirit, you know, of I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, you have people like, you know, clearing out the shelves, um, buying way more things that are necessary, even if you had to do a two week self quarantine, you know, how many rolls of toilet paper do you really need for two weeks? You know, and so there's a, there's clearly a mentality at work that, you know, where you have, I saw this one thing on Twitter, um, last night where a bar owner almost bragging about, yeah, we're going to look, you know, all, all these people together. You have church, you know, some churches that are defying orders and saying, you know, and, and not having a concern for even whether they should gather or not. It's almost like an in, in your face um, kind of mentality. And as much as, you know, we talked about religious liberty and there are those of us who lean towards really liking, you know, um, you know, freedom and not having government overreach. But it's like, yeah, maybe in this case we probably need it because people are acting like idiots and not, you know, and not complying. And it takes that strong arm to say, hey, we need to flatten this curve. So we need everybody needs to do what they need to do. Absolutely. And, and you know, just as we talked about religious liberty, we've also talked about life issues. And and this is mm-hmm. a life issue. Um, mm-hmm. Because we, we have um, the oldest among us, our older brothers and sisters are more at risk than um, the younger of us. If you are in that 70 plus um, age bracket, you get hit by this virus, uh, you have a much higher chance of being killed by this. Um, Mm -hmm. And what are we seeing in a lot of reports about, you know, church trends and stuff? Our churches are filled with older folks. And so if we don't take this seriously as Christians, we're putting our friends, our family, our Christian brothers and sisters and our neighbors at risk. And um, and so I I think, you know, it, it is a... It's a serious thing. This is a serious thing. And if, if your politics make you want to say it's not serious just because, oh, well, look at all the liberals freaking out. Yeah, liberals freak out a lot. I'm, I'll be the first to admit it. Liberals like to freak out and hit the alarm bells. But this is not that. This is a real thing that's really killing people here in New York. I think we've had 54 deaths. Um, New York has more coronavirus cases than any other state in the country. Um I'm. I live about 45 minutes to an hour from New Rochelle, which is um, the place that everybody's now seeing in the news. A one mile quarantine around it, that community. Um, you know, it, it's a. It's a very real and present danger, here in New York, and and it has led the governor to make some pretty, um, pretty drastic moves. Um, and, and one of the things that happened just today on Monday is he, he came out and gave a press report uh, or, or a press briefing 
um, saying that he and the governor of Connecticut and the governor of New Jersey had all agreed to the same standards and they were all implementing the same standards at eight o'clock tonight. So they're all going to work together to make that happen, That's right. uh, which is fantastic. It's we, we can we can talk about national leadership, but one of the cool things that we have seen is a lot of states really jump on board. Yes, we have seen um, we have seen districts, uh, school districts really make sure they're taking care of their kids and and not bringing coronavirus. I mean, the kids are going to make it like babies have gotten this and survived. But they got to go home. And if they go home to a sick grandma or a sick grandpa, grandma and grandpa might not make it. So they're shutting down the schools. They are, um, you know, a lot of people are being told, even if they don't have to do the two-week quarantine, maybe it's good to just stay at home. You know, a lot of businesses are getting shut down here in New York. I I mean, casinos and bars and movie theaters and restaurants are all shutting down. Um, All restaurants are only allowed to do now takeout food, and you can't go and dine in as of 8 o'clock tonight. Like, this is major. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's something where we've seen really good response from at state levels. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that though, that we want to talk about church response for a minute, um, because yeah. we have, we have seen some really cool stuff. We've seen some kind of distress too. Um, now we both had a different experience this past weekend. So Lisa, you went to church this weekend. I did. And, you know, so our session, and for those who are not Presbyterian, um, the session is basically the government of the church. So it comprises the elders and the deacons. And then the eldership is also included the pastors of, of the church. So they all, you know, they met together to decide what to do. Do we shut down, you know, or do, you know, do we shut down? Do we live stream? Do we hold service? And here's what they decided to do. Now, I want to qualify this as saying that we're I'm in Virginia, in Roanoke, which is the western part of the state. If you look at the known cases so far, we have had 45 cases in Virginia. Most of those are in the D.C. area and around Richmond and Virginia Beach. Um, this part of the state, thankfully, so far has been spared. We've not had one case reported in Roanoke. Um, so I'm sure that was a factor, you know, taken into consideration. And here's what the session decided. Um, there was a, so everything except worship, the worship service was canceled. So there was no Sunday school, no nursery. Um, we have, we actually have a coffee gathering area that didn't happen. So it was just service, the offering plate. And because it, we were probably maybe at 60%. Uh, attendance than what we normally are so people were able to sit a little further apart from each other um the offering was handled differently rather than passing the plate there were ushers in the back for when you know when you leave you can just drop your ties and offering there um we do weekly communion that was done differently and all of the service wore gloves um so you know there were modifications put into place um you know, to accommodate and there, it, 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 and I will stress this at no time was there any guilt or shame or those who, you know, for those who didn't feel comfortable attending because it's understood and particularly for the older members of our congregation. Um, so because there is the, I, I noticed that, you know, a number of, of churches were, 
uh, choosing to live stream. But then there are those who, for ver- a variety of reasons, some maybe not good, um, decided to hold their services. And, you know, there's sort of this, uh, this evaluation of whether they're doing the right thing. It's like, well, there, there are some factors that go into place. If there's a church that is saying, well, no, we're just going to ignore what's going on because we have faith. And it's kind of this in your face attitude. Well, that's very different than, you know, than, than, uh, you know, the church, church leaders that are looking at, okay, what are, what do we need to consider and whether we should open or not? And that's a very, that's a very different case. And so we're not like, we're not 45 minutes away from where, a, you know, a bad outbreak is, is happening. Um, and so the, you know, the leaders of, of our church did something different than maybe some, uh, uh, you know, pastors in another locality. Well, and I think that's, um, you know, we evaluate this past weekend because this coming weekend, it, it might all be a moot point. You know, um, a, a Sunday night, yeah. CDC came out with their recommendation, the gatherings north of 50 be postponed for two months. Um, mm-hmm. Earlier today on Monday... Um, the White House put out a recommendation that for the next couple of weeks, there not be gatherings above 10, and that's nationally. So everyone yes. might be shutting down at this point. But, you know, this past weekend, um, I, I think we ought to be better at showing grace to one another for the decisions that people are making. Um, now, like you said, if somebody's coming out here strutting, I mean, you just wrote this article at Reform Margins a couple of weeks ago, you know, Christians don't strut. Um if someone's strutting about saying how you know faithful they are and thumping their chest and saying, see, right in the face of this virus, we're having church. Well, I mean, you, you may be sinning. You might be breaking the sixth commandment, according to the Westminster standards. So maybe thump your chest a little bit less. But if there's a church, it's like, you know what? We are safe to meet, um, either because of um, distance or because we put in so many different precautions that we know it's going to be okay to get together, and so be it. Um, it was a different experience in New York. Um, you know, a, a few a few days ago, the governor um, basically banned outright gatherings um, of a certain size and said, listen, nobody, and worship services were included in that. Um, even before the governor had come out with that, we had already as a church made a decision not to meet um, because we could see the direction it was going. And also um, we want to make sure we're caring for the older folks in our congregation. Um, We don't want to put them at risk. And here's the thing. Um, I don't see this so much among younger folks, but about my older saints, if the church doors are open, they're going to make a way to get there. And um, mm-hmm. if you tell them, hey, listen, you know, don't don't come in because you're at risk of coronavirus, they're going to they're going to come in and say, I'm 78 years old. If I survive till now, ain't no virus going to take me out. Um, and God bless them for their faith and God bless them for their <laughs> desire right. to be in worship. But we have to care for the older saints among us. And um, that that's a really important Christian response. It's it's love. It is loving. In yeah. a lot of these cases, it was loving this weekend to shut the church doors. Um, and, and that's a strange thing, because I tell you what, Goodwill Church does not close. We don't close, period. Um, I mean, we, we get some blizzards up here north of New York, and we have contingency plans about how we're still going to hold church at all of our locations, even if we're under three feet of snow. 
because if we know that storm's coming, all of us pastors know we get to go stay real close to our location, and we're going to walk ourselves to the church if we have to, just in case there are people who want to come and experience those ordinary means of grace. Um, we don't close, but it is the loving thing to do here to close if you are um, in an area where COVID-19 is really starting to, to fly around. And here's the other thing, because I, I am kind of bracing myself for churches that will flout national directives and, and everything this coming weekend. It is um, a total, it, it's disobedience to what we have in Romans 13 to not hear what the government is saying and obey. They're not saying we want churches to close because we believe that Christianity is a scourge that needs to be wiped out of the United States. This is not um, righteous disobedience for the sake of the gospel. This is stubborn disobedience for the sake of feeling good about how we had church this weekend, even though they told us that we need to close. Which is ultimately, it's a very worldly disposition. It's a disposition of the flesh. And, you know, I'm concerned that, that the partisan thing that we're seeing, which is also a disposition of the world and very fleshly, I'm concerned that we might see that this coming Sunday with some churches just saying, oh, yeah, but we're, we're not listening to those liberals. We're not listening to those elites at the CDC, those elites at WHO, at the WHO, the World Health Organization. We're going to have church. Well care for you folks and and you know there are a lot of churches i mean not all churches have the capability of being able to live stream not all churches have the, the i mean so goodwill church didn't live stream what we did was um we recorded a full worship service on thursday night and we released that on youtube on sunday morning um because even though we're a multi-site church um we have live preaching at every location we don't live stream the sermon and we're just not all that equipped <laughs> to be able to live stream. It's just not something that we have built into our DNA. And so um, we're doing it this way. It worked really well. It worked really well. Um, not all churches are, are equipped to live stream. Not all churches are even equipped to record the sermon or record the service and get it out there. But there are churches who do. So for those smaller churches, maybe it is right and good to direct your people to watching the worship services that, that come from other churches even, so that families can mm -hmm. worship together. Um, you know, this there, we have to start thinking creatively about how we um, honor the emperor, honor the government, right? How we love our neighbors really well, and, um, and how we still worship the Lord together in, in as, as corporate a way. And my can. hope is that you know, and my hope is that with all of the, you know, the shutdown of worship services, because I think, again, in this country, there are just some things we take for granted. And especially in, you know, this virtual age, there's this concept that if I've watched a sermon on, you know, on, you know, virtually that somehow I've attended church. You know, we know this is like we're making do in, you know, in light of these circumstances. But I, my hope is that when we do gather back together, after having lost that real presence, that it would give us even more of a um, a gratitude 
a a longing, a desire to for the body of Christ to meet together. And even those who, you know, are kind of skeptical about the in-presence thing and said, yeah, you know, I can, you know, if I skip church, that's okay. If I skip the gathering, you know, the saints together, that's okay. That there might be a change of heart regarding that and knowing that we are supposed to meet together regularly. And so I really hope that this um, encourages people, that really gives them that that longing um, to do that, to really be the body of Christ as we should Absolutely. Be. I think there's there's a few opportunities that the Lord has presented to us during this time. I mean, that now I say that not saying, hey, look, coronavirus is just a great opportunity. It is a tragedy. Yeah, no. A lot of folks have died. A lot of folks are really sick. Yeah. So I'm not saying that. What I am saying are baked into this tragedy are some opportunities for the church to be the church. Um, and so, I, you know, I do think that, I mean, I really hope you're right, that we see um, a large attendance numbers across the board for all of our churches, no matter what size, that all their churches are, are having regular faithful attendance after this because they're realizing the true privilege of being able to gather weekly for for the worship of of the saints um yeah and i would say i felt very privileged this past sunday knowing that a lot of churches were shut down and were live streaming that i still got to gather with the saints and it was a day that my husband and i were receiving the membership we mm. took our membership out so that made it even more special so for me it just really felt like an immense privilege amen. um to be amen here. and you know baked into those those membership vows is uh, the vow to care for our fellow members, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the church is going to care for you and you're to care for them. And so I think this is another opportunity that we have is to really try and put that into practice. How are we Amen. caring for one another in the midst of this? Um, you know, let's take the word neighbor literally, right? We're not going to be traveling a whole lot. But do you have neighbors around you? Are there elderly neighbors around you? Are there neighbors that... You haven't met yet. Um, what would it look like to knock on their door? And if, if you're healthy, just say, hey, is there anything I can do for you while we're doing this quarantine? Is there anything you need me to get to you from the store? Is there, you know, and be respectful, you know, knock on the door and don't get in their face. But, you know, keep your distance like you should and, and you know, practice the social right. distancing. That's a good thing and all of that. But check in on your neighbors. Um, what about the older folks in your church? You know, I, I, I'll never forget. Um there was uh, an older woman in our church who was really, really sad um, after a, uh, I think she'd had a surgery or something. She wasn't able to get to church for just one week, and she said how sad she was she couldn't be there. Um, because oh. for, for a lot of our older folks, church is where they get to go and they get to be with their friends and they get to worship together. That fellowship component is super important, and they don't get that right now. So... Are we yeah. checking in on the older folks in our congregation for for to just be social with them? Just calling them on the phone, maybe you know, uh, FaceTime, talking to folks who are being self quarantined for their own safety. Are we loving our neighbors and are we loving and bearing one another's burdens? Right, that's what bearing our burdens looks like. Is they're struggling through this? How do I make it a little bit easier by being a good neighbor and being their brother and sister in Christ? Amen. Well, Lisa, what, what is there anything else that you want to touch on with this? Anything that 
no, I just, you know, I just uh, want to just encourage the saints to, you know, just keep trusting in the Lord. None of this has come by as a surprise to him. Jesus is still Lord um, over all creation. Um, and, and, and pray that, pray that the, out of this negative, you know, um, these negative circumstances will come something positive in relationship to hearts turned towards Christ. You know, that that is my prayer. Because, it, you know, things have been disrupted. We can become complacent in our, you know, kind of our regular day-to-day, -day, um, you know, going goings-on. And, you know, this is, with this disruption, um, and particularly because of the unknown and the, you know, the concern out there for sickness and death, that, you know, my prayer is that we would have a, um, you know, gain a fresh perspective on, on who we are and why we're here. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's all I have to say. About yeah, that. I think that's, I think that's important. You know, I, one of the things that we don't want to do is just live with the perspective that the news gives us, live with the perspective that, that social media gives us. Um, and so, so this would be, I guess, my last thing, and this is to church leaders and, um, you know, pastors, elders, um, lay leadership in the church. Um, provide a way or, or help your congregants have an excuse to not watch the news. Provide things for them. You know, a lot of folks are thinking through, okay, what are we going to do on Sunday? Sunday's important. That's the the most important meeting of the whole week, and so we got to make that decision, right? But what else are we doing for our folks throughout the week? What are we providing? Mm. Um, you know, one one of the things that I was doing today with one of my fellow pastors is putting together a reading list of almost fifty books in a bunch of different categories, and we're going to provide wow. that to the congregation. Say, hey, here's fifty books. Um, there's a bunch of different categories here. Pick a couple of these and read through them. Um, and it's everything from, um, you know, you've got the Institutes of the Christian Religion is on there from John Calvin. Someone wants to take time and just plow through the Institutes, praise God, to smaller books that are also really important, like um, Trillia Newbell's Fear and Faith is on the list, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's important for us to provide material. You know, what are we providing? Even a 10-minute Facebook Live from one of your pastors or elders can go a long way. Um, how are we engaging our congregant our congregants throughout the week during a time where we're not able to gather together? What are we providing for folks to help them in their discipleship and help them in their love for the Lord? Um, because this is not um, we could. It, it, I just think it would be a tragedy if we look back at this two weeks or two months or whatever it turns out to be and say, "Oh, that was just a bunch of wasted time." It would be beautiful to say, "You know what? That was difficult." That was inconvenient, but I grew in my love for the Lord through this time. Um, so Amen. that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to this uh, kind of a special episode talking about the coronavirus. Um, we are praying for you, and we're praying that you are able to stay healthy, um, that you are able to use this time well as you are self-quarantining and doing all the things you need to do to, to stay healthy. Um, we hope to be back with you next week to dive into some more of the issues that are out there. We've got a couple episodes in the can already and um, others that are coming your way. So uh, 
for today. That's it. We hope to see you again next time for our next edition of Family Discussion. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's Family Discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next Family Discussion.